You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast, and here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking, and my guest today is a special one. Uh, he he coached me kind of, I guess, like he was a coach on the team when I was there. He coached the offense and defensive line at the time, but he is the head coach of the Bedford North Lawrence Stars in Bedford, Indiana. My guest today is Coach Derek Barker. Coach, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm uh, I'm excited. I uh, I like following along what you got going on with the morning brew. I know you've had some uh, some much better guests than me, so I'll try to do my part to you know bring up the rear as far as that goes. But I appreciate it. Hey, I love talking football, and I couldn't think of anybody better to talk football with. So let's start with this. When you – we both played under and you coached under Coach Steve Weber, but after that, you went on to – like I said, after you got done playing with him, you went on to play in college and, and then became a coach. Kind of walk me through how you got into coaching and, and, and the start of your coaching career. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, like you said, I played for for Coach Weber at Linton. I uh, was lucky enough to play on some really good teams. Uh, got the chance to play in college. I ended up, I played one year at Rose Holman. Uh, decided that school wasn't for me. The engineering path wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I transferred, found out pretty quick that my uh, my playing career was, was over at that point, just because I was never, you know, never really, you know, that good of a a player or an athlete so I was away from the game for a few years and then kind of you know I was always always watching you know kind of studying so on and so forth so I ended up uh my wife and I we moved to Bloomington and I saw they were uh so there's uh the Glacier football clinics they have one in Indianapolis every year there's actually it's coming up this coming weekend and they had posted that they were looking for volunteers to come work the clinic uh, basically introducing the speakers, helping set up chairs, tables, clean up, stuff like that. And you got in for free. So I was like, heck, you know, free weekend of football, sign me up. So I ended up, I, uh, I did that and I ran into Coach Weber, who had gone from uh, Linton High School to, to B&L down here. So just happened by chance to run into him at that clinic. And he was kind of talking about they were looking for somebody to help coach offensive line, uh, which is what I played. So just kind of right place at the right time and, uh, you know, kind of lucked into to helping out here and then, you know, just immediately fell in love with it. Uh, that was about, I think I'll be going into my 10th year um, overall coaching since then. So uh, just, you know, being involved in the game, you know, but also just being involved in, you know, helping, helping further, you know, athletes, student athletes. Uh, it, it's just something I loved. So kind of got on that path and fell in love with it and just been working, working ever since then and, you know, got a couple lucky breaks um, along the way to now being the head coach here and just, just loving it and trying to build a, build a program. This is your fourth year is going to be your fourth year as the head coach this fall. Correct. Yeah, that's right. We just finished our third year. So we'll be going into year four as head coach. And so you became, like I said, you coached under Steve Weber, like you just said, he goes on to become the, the defensive line coach at Martinsville. You take over as the head coach. What, Things as a young coach, as somebody like myself who, who, you know, I'm still wet behind the ears, as they like to say. This is my, sure. I'm entering my second year coaching overall and with goals and aspirations to someday be a, be a head football coach. But what steps as an assistant did you take 
that prepared you when the time came to be a head coach to, that prepared you to where you were ready? Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was understanding, you know, as an assistant that, you know, no job was, was too big or too small. Um, just trying to, to take in everything, you know, and learn everything that I possibly could. Like I know um, I spent a lot of time with our defensive coordinator at the time, uh, coach Hayden, who also I played for, he was a coach in high school when I was in high school as well. Um, so, you know, I was an offensive line coach, but I was trying to learn defense, you know, as much as I could because, you know, I thought it would help me understand offensive line play and it would help make me, you know, a better coach that way. Um, a lot of times going to, to clinics, uh, you know, I'd go watch running back clinics or defensive back, special teams, thing to kind of learn, you know, and kind of just grow my overall say of the game. And then I spent a lot of time uh, just trying to kind of study the people who were having at the University of Georgia one year just to kind of be around and see what their program is like. A lot of high school, you know, programs that were having success and are still having success. And even still, you know, to this day, uh, even this past summer, we spent a few days at New Palestine with Coach Kyle Ralph up there, one of the best programs in the state of Indiana. So just, you know, just kind of embracing that mindset and knowing that, you know, I, I by no means have any, you know, do I have all the right answers? Um, and just being kind of willing to to do whatever to, to improve and learn from people that are that are doing things the right way. Um, and having success and just the biggest thing like I said was just being the best assistant coach to the head coach that I could be so you know I always like to to get to practice early and set up the the field for the day set up the cones and practice stations and stuff and it just you know just one of those things that I enjoyed and I felt like I was helping you know uh, helping improve the team to some extent you know if you're on time you're late if you're on that's time, right. you're late. that's right <laughs> But to be, early uh, is to be on time, to be on time is to be late, and to be late is to be forgotten. Yep, <laughs> for sure. Okay, I want to go to your first year as a head coach because, and I'm going to bring in a reference to this because you're a Patriots fan, but I it's something similar to kind of what Gerard Mayo is going through right now. Which when you took over, Coach Weber ran this this Tony DeMeo triple option offense and, and and had a certain way in which he wanted to run his his style. Every yeah. person, no matter how much you coach under somebody, everybody's different. And you have your own philosophies, your own mindsets, how you want to attack things. When, as an assistant, and, and you preach the same things that the head coach is preaching, you're, you're doing those types of things. So when you become the head coach and you say, hey, we're going to change this, we're going to do this, or we're going to do that, was it hard to get buy-in at first, or were the kids all for it? Or how did you go about approaching that to where it wasn't like, forget what I said in the past, now we're doing this? But to to let them know that, like, I, I still meant what I said there, but I'm also meaning what I say now, too. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good question. I, the biggest thing for us was we in no way did we want to just completely take a 180 and, and, you know, totally change what we believed in as a program, what we were trying to do as an offense. Um, so while we weren't running, you know, the, the exact same plays, uh, for the entire like duration of the game, we were still doing a lot of the same concepts, a lot of the same ideas. Um, the teaching was a lot the same. We just kind of added some different wrinkles here and there. Uh, and we had a great, a great group of kids that year that, that understood that, you know, things were going to be rough at times. There were going to be some growing pains, some transitional, uh, you know, pains and stuff, but they, they bought in, they worked hard. Um, and, and you know we were able to have a little bit of success. We had a we had a pretty decent year there, and really, 
we had a we had a great year when it came to kind of laying the foundation um, to where the program is now. But I think the biggest thing is just understanding, like, kind of like I talked to earlier, like I I didn't have all the right answers when I came in, so you know I wasn't trying to discredit what you know Coach DeMeo or Coach Weber or any of the things like that um, because they're I mean they're far better coaches than than I am. Um, so it was just kind of taking taking a lot of the core foundation and even even still, you know, four years later now, we still, we still talk about a lot of the same things. Um, you know, we might not run the the triple option. We don't run it really at all anymore now. Uh, but a lot of the teaching, a lot of the, the fundamental ideas to the game, you know, are still things that we were talking about when you were playing. Um, so it's just kind of, like you said, you don't want to try to replicate anybody to a T you got to be yourself. You got to do things, you know, your way and you got to be genuine. Um, you know, or else players will kind of see through that. Um, but, you know, adding some wrinkles in here or there and just doing what we felt was best to to give our – to put our kids in the best position to succeed. And I want to ask you about this because this is something you hear it on ESPN every time some a, a new coach gets hired. You you hear about it every time. There's a, a shift in, in mindsets at, at a place. And the word I'm talking about is culture. And I – it's a word that gets thrown around a lot that I don't think a lot of people really kind of understand what it is or how you go about building a culture when it came to, because where you coached at, where I played at Bedford, North Lawrence, it's historically a basketball school. It always has been football has been the second, you know, second or third thing on the list there. When it comes to building a culture and building a mindset that, that the team can go around and those types of things. And, and, all that, what went into building a culture for you and what went into building the culture of the team? Well, I think, you know, culture is one of those words. I think not so much what you say. Um, And and so, you know, our culture, whenever I took the job, whenever I was kind of going through the interview process, to me, we wanted to kind of focus on a couple areas. And first off, that was, you know, developing great people. Um, you know, one of the, one of my favorite books that I've read is, um, legacy by, I believe the man's name is James Kerr. It's about the uh, New Zealand, all blacks, the rugby team who was extremely successful. They kind of went through a couple down years. Um, so they were looking at, you know, how to get back on track, being a dominant team. And what they came up with was this slogan that, uh, better people make better all blacks. So that was kind of something that I wanted to incorporate here, you know, better people make better stars. So what I meant by that was, you know, doing, doing things the right way, you know, being leaders in the classroom, being leaders in the community, putting the work in, you know, before you see kind of the payoff of it, you know, on the football field. Um, another thing was we, my big thing is I don't want to make this uh, like a football only school or a football only program. I don't want to, I don't want to just dominate in football. I want to have the best athletic program in the state of Indiana. That's my goal. And, you know, football, obviously I want it to be a big part of that. So that was kind of something we talked about, you know, how can we, we become better athletes, we become better people. And then kind of the second phase of it was how can we make our program better as far as, you know, helping out in the school, helping out in the community, doing things to get involved, to be leaders, um, to build our relationships with our teammates, our coaches, understand that, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Like plays are obviously important and schemes and tackling and blocking is always the name of the game in football. 
but you know, you got to have that, that relationship and that trust uh, to really build kind of an effective team. So when we looked at kind of culture, that was more of what we focused on was being the best people, the best teammates that we could be, the best student athletes, and then the best, you know, kind of members of our community, of our school. Um, and then we started working on more of, you know, the on the field um, kind of output, I guess you would say, whereas, you know, our big our big motto was always outwork. And that's something that, you know, we believed in. We weren't going to be as big, as fast, as strong as a lot of the teams that we played but we felt like we could outwork them. We could outprepare them in the, in the weight room on the practice field. And then, you know, we could, we could outwork them in a game. And I, and that really kind of goes back to, I think something, you know, that, that carries over to, to just life in general. Like you might not always be the best, the best candidate for a job or for a position that you're applying for, but you can work the hardest. You can always, you know, do the little things to, to do more than the competition. Um, so I guess that's kind of a long-winded answer of just saying we wanted to be more about, you know, doing our culture and not just talking about it. We wanted to kind of live it. And I, I think that's kind of obviously, you know, you know, you have some success, you win some big games, then people really start to to start to buy in and they the ball kind of gets rolling there. But at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, just that kind of those fundamental things for us of being great people, building a great program. Um, and then we'll you know, eventually you'd like to have, you know, great performance on the field. One thousand percent. I couldn't agree more when it comes. So I want to talk a little bit more schematic wise here now. When when sure. we talk about, because one thing I've been seeing a lot ever since I kind of got into coaching the last couple of, you know, I started coaching last year, but I've really kind of been studying the last couple of years is the idea of keeping it simple. It's not something that I recognize that much in high school, or I remember people saying that much when I played in high school. Maybe it was. I was just removed from it. But my point is, when first of all, what, what kind of offense do you run? And then second of all, how do you keep it simple for your kids to understand, for them to be able to execute on Friday night? Because the, the saying that we always said in high school when I played, I'm sure you still say it is, if you – is to just go out there and play. You can't think you got to play. If you're thinking you're slow, so just go out there and play. So how do you simplify your offense and your defense to where that happens? Yeah. Um, sorry, sidetrack here real quick. I got to grab a phone charger real fast, so I'm I'm going to be walking. Is that okay? <laughs> you're good. You're good. Sorry, my phone battery just nosedived on me. Um, <laughs> do you want me to – answer that or you want me to just wait a second no go ahead okay um yeah i i think the you're you're absolutely right what you said you know if you're it doesn't matter what sport you're playing if you're if you're spending more time thinking about what you have to do it's it's going to slow you down you're not going to be you know nearly as productive as you could be um the other thing that you know we talk a lot about i, I think it comes down to we you want to keep things simple but to me, you always hear that saying, keep it simple, stupid. And I, I never really liked that. What I always liked saying was keep it likable and learnable. And I thought that was more uh, kind of appropriate to what we were trying to do, because that really it comes down to what can you teach? Um, you know, what can you teach? What can you uh, help the kids to understand? So it's not as much, you know, you, it's not that you can't keep, you know, do complex things, whether it's offense or defense. It really comes down to. How can you teach it? How can you help the kids to understand it more so than just, uh, you know, we, we try not to limit, you know, okay, we can only run 
two pass coverages. We can only run, you know, X amount of plays. Um, upstairs here. Yep. Um, so anyway, like I said, we kind of, we try to focus more on, you know, how we're teaching things, trying to be the most efficient, you know, effective, um, and making sure that we're teaching things that are easily understandable, that we're doing a good job coaching it, getting the reps in um, is a big thing for us. So when we talk about uh, kind of offensive scheme-wise, we uh, we run a lot of uh, air raid type offensive stuff. Um, so, you know, we might not throw the ball, you know, 80 times a game, like how mummy Mike Leach type stuff like they do. But it was something, you know, the first year we were kind of looking at, uh, you know, what can we do that's a little different? Like I said, like we talked about earlier, a little different than what we were running. Um, we, we thought it was something that was was exciting for the kids that they would enjoy kind of being a part of. Um, and then when, when you talk about air raid, the biggest thing is, you know, the, the reps, the the repetitions. I know like Mike Leach used to talk about, they would have days of practice where they would go a whole seven on seven and team period of only running one play. They would just work that one play over and over and over. And it kind of goes back, you know, Coach DeMeo, uh, when he was always down here, we would do our redrill where we were running triple option against every look that you could see. So again, that's kind of where, I guess going back to like I was talking about, a lot of things, you know, we still kind of talk about the same way um, as when, you know, we were running the triple option. It's just maybe we're running Y cross 15 times a day or, you know, we're running mesh 15 times a day or Y. Um, so, you know, we, we try to get a lot of reps in with our offense. Um, our, our running attack this past year, we kind of switched up. We ran a lot of wide zone, outside zone. Uh, because we felt it best fit our players. We didn't have uh, the real big offensive linemen that could get vertical movement. We had some pretty athletic linemen that could run pretty well. So when you look at the outside zone, that's really what it is. The linemen are running. They're being athletic. We still want to be, you know, violent. We still want to be nasty, um, control the line of scrimmage. And then we, we had some running backs, and even our quarterback this past year could run the ball really well, had good vision. So we thought that was kind of what best suited us. Um, and then, you know, we do some RPO stuff, the the trendy stuff that you see all over, you know, college and NFL level ball now at times. Um, but again, it, it's always it's always what can we rep in practice? You know, we're not going to run something that we haven't repped at least a few times. Um, what what can we teach? Well, you know, what can we keep likable and learnable to where the kids understand and they know what to do? Because like you said, at the end of the day, if you're thinking out there, if you don't know if if you got a corner out here or a post route, or if you don't know if you're blocking this down lineman or the linebacker, it could be the best play in the world, but it's not going to, it's not going to produce the results that you want. See, I've been studying the air raid uh, for a while now. I don't know if you've, if you've been looking at my Twitter here lately, but I've been sharing a lot of mesh stuff and a lot of, a lot of air raid stuff. And yeah, what I, what mesh is my favorite air raid play. I I think there's so much you can do out of it. You know, Michigan did a very good mesh with a traffic out yep. out from the running back. There's yeah. mesh rail, those types of things. What are some of your favorite air raid plays or, or concepts that you like to run? Because why stick's a favorite of mine as well. I tried yeah. we tried to implement stick at the middle school that I was in. 
Uh, it didn't go as well as I was hoping it would. So hopefully <laughs> with the whole summer, we'll get it to go. But but mesh sure. is one of my favorite plays. I, 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 I've been studying the air raid. It's one of my favorites. I, I think something you said was very something I've been thinking, which has been the air raid reminded me a lot of the triple option, not in the sense of, oh, it's a run first offense. But like you said, in the sense of it, with the triple, you got to practice that pitch all the time. You've right. got to practice that pitch because if not, and you miss it one time, it's a fumble. It could go the other way with the right. air raid. It's about rep- repetition, as you said. So I, I'm glad you said it because it's something I've been thinking for a while, but what are some of your, air, your favorite air raid plays? Cause mine are mesh and why stick. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we start, you know, why sticks one of our, our fundamental plays um, every, every year, every spring, every summer um, mesh is something we kind of changed this past season how we go about mesh. The year before last, we spent a lot of time repping it with um, when to sit down the mesh, when to keep running uh, the crossers. And it was something we just we never felt like we got as good at it as we wanted to. So this year we took it more from a standpoint of we were going to use it as a play to build off of kind of like what you were talking about with uh, like the rail, the traffic type concepts. Um, so we ran we ran mesh rail a ton this year. We hit some huge touchdowns. In fact, um, we had two games this year where kind of like the deciding touchdown or like what you know sealed sealed solidified the win was actually on mesh rail hitting the rail route out of the backfield. Um, so that was a really good play for us. We didn't spend a lot of time teaching like when to when to settle the mesh down like in the zone. And I know that's you know, true air raid, uh, you know, aficionados are going to think that's kind of, you know, hearsay and be upset with me on that. But uh, we, we spent more time working uh, just, you know, running the, running the mesh at the proper depth, keeping it tight. And then uh, another thing we did was we incorporated uh, kind of the, the over the ball or like the spot route over top of the mesh. I know Ohio state um, was doing that a few years ago. It was something we really liked. Uh, and then, you know, IU did it some, I think, whenever like Kalen DeBoer was there. So that was just another uh, another thing we really liked on the the mesh concept. Uh, me personally, I love uh, uh, Y cross. I, okay. I think that's a, I think that's a, an awesome play. And what I really like about it is you can change kind of the front side, the front side tags of it. So a lot of times if you're looking at your Y running the crossing route coming from the right side to the left. Those left side guys, you know, they, you know, day one is, you know, you got a mandatory outside release fade route. Uh, your slot's going to run like a speed out or you could run like a 10 yard sail out. We we do that. That's kind of a, a basis for us. But then we do other things. We'll like smash tag it. Uh, we'll throw we'll have like a basically like a tunnel screen on the front side of uh, Y cross. Some other some other things we're looking at doing this year um, where we're kind of, you know, changing up you're still getting to the same spot on the field. That's another thing, like you said, with the air raid, what I really like about it is the concepts, you know, you know, which, which kind of, which part of grass you're trying to attack, you know, whether it be, you know, stick, you know, you got the peak, you got the swing, you got the stick route, but you can kind of play with who's getting to those areas on the field. You're still attacking the same, you're attacking the same grass, but you can kind of change around who is, who's getting to those areas for you. Um, so that's a big thing why I like I like White Cross a lot. And then um, uh, Sale is kind of the sister play uh, to White Cross. We were really good at running Sale this year. We had a lot of success with it. Um, so it was good for us. 
but yeah, if you if you told me I could only pick one, I would probably pick White Cross with some of the different tags. Um, like I said, I, I think it's a it's a it's a really cool play. Um, even going all the way back to kind of the last read, uh, kind of like the post curl or like we do a dig sometimes on the backside of it. Um, a lot of times, even that comes open as, as like a late option. You know, if all else fails. One of my favorite. I don't know if you know who Coach Dan Casey is, but I got his. Oh, yeah. I've got his one play a day email yep. that he sends, and one of the routes that, or one of the ones that he sent, and it was a different variation of mesh that I had seen was, and I think it'd be good when it comes to sequencing plays. And for those who who don't understand, like you could run a mesh with a with a mesh rail, then you can run mesh with with maybe a mesh with a traffic route, kind of just running, you know, giving the same look, but maybe adding a little bit of twist, those types of things, sequencing sure. your plays. And I, I can't remember what school it was, but they ran a crosser instead of the over the ball route. They ran a crossing route. And when he showed uh -huh. the film, it was wide open. I, I think that's a beautiful play, especially if you run the over the ball route, because once you start sitting there, those defensive players are going to be like, oh, he's sitting. Then you right. kind of sneak in behind him and you go. So I love mesh because of the different variations. I love Y sale. That's that. Those are some of the ones Y cross and Y sale are some of the plays that I, I haven't dug deep into. I, I went uh -huh. during the season. I went deep into Y stick. Now I'm starting to get into, to some, uh some of the mesh. And then I'll start getting more into the, the different versions of the air raid when it comes to defensively, I know you've ran some different stuff in your time yeah. as DC and the head coach. I know you, you like to run, I believe it was the three, three that Iowa state was running at one point. Do you guys still run that? And, and what does that allow for you guys to do that? Maybe some other defenses don't allow you. to do? Yeah. So the, this past year we went to more of kind of a hybrid, I guess you would call it three, four, four, two, five type defense. But the three years prior to that, we were running the three, three stack. And then we were getting into some of the like three high safety stuff, like um, what Iowa state was doing there for a while. I really liked it because it was something in this part of the country, like in Indiana, you didn't see a lot of people doing yeah. it. So um, we see a lot of people running a four, three, a lot of people running, you know, uh, a quarters base defense two read type coverages. So then we were able to kind of, to get into that three safety stuff and play some of those coverages, but also play a lot of, you know, cover one, cover three, middle field close type stuff and just give some different looks. Um, so it, it was something that, that I enjoyed, uh, when we were kind of looking at, you know, the best teams we were going to play. And who we really had to beat. A lot of those teams were RPO teams. And I think the the three safety stuff I think is great for RPO because you can kind of change up the read. You can change up, you know, who's responsible, who your run fits are, um, and who are who is just playing purely, you know, pass coverage in that. Uh this year, again, just kind of we we try to always fit our personnel with what's best. When we first went to the three three stack, we had a lot of guys that were more like defensive back, maybe linebacker type hybrid guys that, you know, they weren't real big. They were more, you know, coverage speed type guys. So we felt like running something to get five DBs on the field um, and then use our quickness up front uh, with our box defenders to kind of change up our gap fits and our, our run, uh, our run fits was what was best for us coming into this year. We were a little bigger team. We weren't quite as, uh, as fast on the back end. So I felt like we had more linebackers, defensive end, hybrid type players. 
So to me, being able to, to get in some four down, even front looks, uh, you know, was something that fit us better. So we were more, we were a base three, four team. Uh, we played, you know, our base coverages. We were quarters. We had a few different flavors of quarters, as you, if you want to say. Um, we played some cover two, read, palms type stuff. And then, you know, we had the ability to to kind of play like slant and angle, uh, field boundary reduction, cover three um, type stuff where we were always adding a fourth rusher. And that's that's the other thing I, I like. I've always kind of been an odd front guy as a defensive play caller because, you know, not that I like dropping eight and only rushing three. Like, I, I don't really do that very much. But if you could really change kind of who your fourth rusher was a lot of times. Um, and I think that's something even you're, you're seeing a lot of it now with, you know, the simulated pressures and creepers that a lot of people are running. It's something that, you know, by no means am I an expert at, but it was something that we were, that's what kind of what we we were trying to major in was, you know, we were going to rush four. We might show a, a presentation of, you know, five or six rushers, but we're only going to rush four. It's just, we're changing up who, who that fourth rusher is every time. Um, and it, it, it was pretty good for us uh, being able to just kind of, to not give a, my biggest thing on defense is that I want to give a real stagnant look uh, to the offense. I, you know, I want to make the quarterback have to think a little bit on his feet um, to see, you know, where our rush is coming from, what coverage we're playing, so on and so forth. I got two more questions for you. One of them being not overall because I or overall because I know that this kind of determines based off of what kind of athlete you have. But mindset, if you were able to to have the the perfect defense with with everything that you wanted and the perfect players, I'm a big you can manufacture a pass rush with with good coverage type of guy. That's my sure. mindset. Maybe it's because I coach corners and I'm, I I like to advocate for corners. Maybe it's because I play DB, those types of things. But I like to think that you can manufacture a pass rush if you make that quarterback hold on to the ball a little bit longer than he's supposed to and you give your guys more time to get there. What do you – how do you approach that pass rush-wise, I guess? it. I guess it serves more so in the front of, of when we talk about you know, we know the quarterback's the most important player on the team, and we know left tackle or right tackle is the second most. But a lot of people say edge rusher because you got to have a quarterback and be able to get to it. For me, I think it's like corner and and those types of things. Sure, yeah. So my one of my favorite uh, quotes that I think Don Brown said it. He was the defensive coordinator at Michigan. I think he's the head coach at UMass now. But you know, he said uh, quarterbacks aren't really good throwing with tears in their eyes. So that was that was kind of my philosophy on defense when I first took over and started, you know, being a defensive coordinator. And I got burned a few times, more than a few times, probably at sending too much pressure, trying to blitz too much, trying to generate that rush. Um, so I, I have started. I, I think I'm probably falling more into that line of, you know, we got to make sure we cover and then, you know, we can generate a pass rush with that. Um, you know, I, uh, another kind of overall philosophy, I think, is, you know, we always we want to start with the four man rush. If you can't get home with four, you know, send five. Send if you can't get home with five, you know, maybe you look at sending six. If you still can't get home, then you need to drop eight. You know, so you know, we want to be smart about, you know, not totally selling the farm and you know, rushing guys. Um, but yeah, I think if you can if you can cover, you know, and and not have to sell out, you know, as far as taking away from your coverage, if you can get home with four guys, you know, I think that's definitely the way to the way to go about it um we one of the kind of i guess differences for us is we've always tried to put our best athletes uh at corner 
to take away, you know, we want to try to make it a nine on nine game as much as we can. So if we have guys that, you know, that can really lock down, you know, maybe they're basketball players that are really good, uh, really good at defense, you know, we'll put those kids at corners and try to make it a nine on nine game. And then, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I feel like we can, you know, generate a pass rush, you know, with different games, different twists, stunts, you know, line movement, and then, uh, you know, kind of burying up who our fourth rusher is with some different pressures. And then I want to end it with this. I guess it's kind of a two-part question. One being, how important is the assistant coaches to what you want to do? And two being, the second part of this question being, how as a head coach and, and somebody who was an assistant and, and those types of things, how do you, I guess, help a head, help an assistant who maybe wants to be a head coach you know, go towards that future, but also keep their eye on on what we're accomplishing here. So one being, how do you help elevate, I guess, your assistant coaches? And and also the other part of this being, how important are the assistant coaches to what you want to accomplish? Sure. Uh, the assistant coaches are everything. I mean, they are, they're extremely crucial. And that's why, you know, I've, I've got a, a great group of assistant coaches here. Um, and I, I tell people a lot of times, you know, whenever I first took over as head coach, people told me this and I didn't really believe it at the time. But I spend the majority of my time dealing with stuff that is not football. It's not scheme. You know, uh, it's it's dealing with, you know, grade issues, transportation, uh, you know, kids not being in practice, stuff like that. Uh, so a lot of times those assistant coaches are the ones that are that are really doing the doing the work. Um, and, you know, I could. I know uh, something that was always challenging for me is understanding the right amount of, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, like delegation to give assistant coaches, because, you know, like you said, you do want to, you want to help them grow. You want to help them take on new responsibilities, uh, learn new things, but you also, you know, you don't want to feel like you're just dumping the farm on them, you know, and just, you know, completely, you know, weighing them down with too much responsibility and too much work. So it's a fine line to play. And that's definitely something I could improve at, um, you know, delegating more to them or delegating less in certain situations and doing, you know, more myself to kind of relieve the burden from them. But yeah, they're, they're absolutely crucial. And like I said, I've got a great group. Uh, we had uh, eight coaches on staff this year that were just, uh, I mean, they were tremendous. And, uh, you know, some of my best friends, guys that, you know, we talk every day, whether it's football or other stuff, and they're just they're always they're always trying to get better at helping out student athletes, uh, you know, further themselves and in helping the football program. So then I guess the, the second part of your question, as far as, um, you know, kind of furthering yourself as an assistant, is that is that what it was? Did I, did I get that right? Like as, a, as a head coach, how do you go about, you know, helping them land if they have futures, if, if they have, you know, dreams of being a, a head football coach, how do you help them do that? But also at the same time, yeah. kind of not have keep them without having the one foot out the door mentality type of thing, I guess. Yeah. So we're, um, we're a pretty like collaborative group. I think is the, the biggest thing for us. You know, we have a, uh, an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, a special teams coordinator title. But, you know, we try to come up with a defensive game plan and, you know, here's the drills you're going to be running. Here's this and that. You know, I try to to get everybody involved in, you know, kind of seeing 
seeing each week, seeing program, you know, development, team development from an overall standpoint so that they're getting that experience. You know, maybe they're maybe they're not the one calling the plays, but they're involved with the the game planning process of it. They're involved with, you know, here's how we want to attack, you know, this team on Friday. You know, what drills do you want to do to work on that? You know, um, so I, I think being collaborative is something we try to do to, to help that out. Um, like I said, and and and, you know, I also I always push, you know, uh, we're going to the clinic this weekend. So one of the things I always tell my guys is you might be an offensive line coach, but, you know, we're going to be at this clinic for two days. You know, you're going to see 20 different sessions. Go watch defensive back play. You know, if you're a, a corners coach, go watch an offensive line coach talk for a little bit. You know, go watch special teams. Uh, go watch, you know, program kind of fundraising type talks and stuff just to kind of, again, further that further that knowledge base that you have um, so that, you know, you, you, you're at least, you know, somewhat aware of, of other things as you start to to kind of, you know, climb in your in your uh, journey and, you know, take on new responsibilities. Well, a big thank you. I think Coach Barker lost signal. A big thank you to Coach Barker for doing that. Uh, for those of you who are listening at home, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please share it with your friends, your family, and everybody else involved. You know, I, I try to get more guests on like Coach Barker. Uh, he's very knowledgeable. I hope you took what he said and, and you know, try to learn some things that he's, you know, talked about. And, and I hope it helps you understand football a little bit better. And for those of you listening at home, have a good day, good night, good afternoon, whatever it is. You have a good one. I'll see you next week.